and welcome to Dragon Bites Basics, the paediatric podcast aimed at healthcare students or anyone in need of a refresher about common paediatric conditions. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. Each week, medical students will be joining paediatric doctors from Wales to discuss these common paediatric conditions and give them insights into paediatric problems that they may not have faced before. These episodes are just introductions and aren't meant to replace your regular revision. Remember, there will be some regional variations in practice and practice will change as new evidence comes to light. However, this is paediatrics made easy to help students get their head around some new concepts. This week's episode is all about celiac disease. Emily Jenkinson, a medical student at Swansea University and host for this episode, is joined by Dr. Bethana Buzakuk who's a paediatric registrar with a specialist interest in gastroenterology. This is the first of a two-part episode, so make sure you join us again next week for the remainder. Let's get started. So hello and welcome to Dragon Bites Basics with me, Emily Jenkinson, a medical student from Swansea University. Today we are joined by Dr. Bethana Buzakuk, a general paediatric trainee with an interest in gastroenterology. She has kindly agreed to talk to us about celiac disease. Hi, Pathena. Hi, Emily. Thanks for, Thanks for joining us. No worries. So recently I've been reading about celiac disease and was wondering if you could maybe work through a case with me to help with my learning. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think um, to start off with is probably worth just a brief definition of what celiac disease is. Um, and in general, celiac disease is a systemic disease um, and it's got an immunology element to it as well. Um, it's a common disease, probably more common than we think. Um, and you have a variety of children in the pediatric population of children who are either symptomatic, which is very straightforward, or children who don't have any symptoms but still test positive, and we'll go through that later on, or end up being labelled as having celiac disease. Um, we might might be worth doing it in, um, shall we just say, let's do the classical presentation, and then we can talk about briefly or touch briefly on the atypical pictures or sort of the uh, different sort of scenarios that could happen um, very brief at the end. So if we say classically, we are seeing uh, the toddler age group. So a small child, um, probably let's say a child who is two and a half. Um, So a child who is um, already on a full established diet um, with no limitations. Um, And we get these presentations through um, all ports of entry. So either they come acutely to the assessment unit uh, being unwell, or they actually are a referral where they've seen the GP, there are some concerns, and they come to an outpatient setting um, to look into um, their symptoms and why they have them. Um, a lot of the children that we see um, are children who come in basically with poor growth or not meeting sort of their growth parameters that they should at that age or with a child who was growing fine and then all of a sudden started to lose weight. Um, And so let's say that's kind of the presentation, um, a two-year-old who actually has got a sibling who's three, uh, but the sibling who's three is a lot bigger than he is, and the mother's concerned because he's very small, um, and although he does eat, he's very small and he's not growing, so he's very thin, basically, and, and, and and not very tall. Um, and I think yeah. a lot of these children come in with that complaint. They're comparing them with children of their similar age or they're comparing them with the siblings and saying they're small, they're not growing or they lost weight. 
Okay. Okay. So the so the main problem uh, the parents who come presenting with is um, a bit of developmental delay. They're not hitting their milestones, and then they're comparing to other people in the nursery, and they've noted that, and then come into the GP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think when you want to go through the questions in general, you will want to ask your general questions um, uh, about their well-being, um, how well they are, if they've had any illnesses or intercurrent illnesses, how many times have they presented to the GP. Um, but then I think big part of, um, and for the sake of this recording, is big part of your symptoms are going to be gastrointestinal symptoms and dietary sort of um, history as well. So you will want to ask about, um, do they have any symptoms in particular, any abdominal pain? Um, do they complain? Uh, do they have any symptoms of vomiting? Um, if if they have, how many times they open their bowels? Um, and you can have a variety of these kids. So some of these children will... The Costco picture is that they have diarrhea and they go multiple times a day and it's very watery. But actually, we get celiac presentations with constipation, which is even far more common than the diarrhea picture. Um, and the abdominal pain, again, is very subjective. So um, children of age two might not say very specifically, my tummy hurts here, but will be complaining after they have some food that they feel really achy and the tummy hurts or they keep saying, I need to go to the toilet um, and so that's kind of one of the symptoms that we tend to see a lot of. And the parents actually notice it as well, as young as a child could be, really. Um, other classical bits or sort of textbook bits. If you open a book or you try to look up celiac disease, you get a picture of a very, very skinny child uh, with a massive distended tummy um, in comparison with how small they are and just wasted buttocks and sort of very skinny legs. Um, and it's a child, if um, again, as part of a child who's not a happy child. So it's not just he's thin. Um, he's not very happy. He's a bit miserable. He's um, he's not very active in comparison with children of his age. So those are very important questions to ask um, in terms of your symptoms, really. Um, and then you could go down and we'll probably go through these sort of further down as in other classical bits that you might see. So if you see a child with gastrointestinal symptoms in general, so it, remembering that your gastrointestinal tract starts from your mouth and ends all the way to your anus. So really, really you want to ask about any ulcers in the mouth, um, any sort of uh, angular stomatitis or any sort of um, marks around the side of the mouth. Um, is the child noted to be very pale? Um, and then you go through, as I said, the gastrointestinal symptoms from top to end, really. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. So you mentioned um, the child being pale. So would anemia potentially be a complication of celiac disease? Yes, absolutely. So um, in so as we said, celiac being an um, an element of an autoimmune disease, really. But what happens is that your exposure to um, gluten, which is um, um, which is kind of part of your definition of celiac disease. Uh, affects your um, the way your 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 body works and makes yourself your body almost attack your um, mucosal lining of your small intestine which is an area where a lot of your nutrients gets absorbed or your important nutrients so we do see children yes if we see children with um, iron deficiency anemia picture uh, because their absorption is not good we also yeah. see children with um, micronutrient deficiencies so children who have calcium deficient deficient in calcium deficient in vitamin D and the complications that arise from that. Um, and it's basically remembering that the destruction to that mucosa um, 
effects, and we'll talk about it when we talk about the diagnostic test, um, affects the way you absorb your goods, really. So, And that's why you get a child who is not comfortable and has got tummy ache because his absorption is not good. You get a, a child who's got a distended tummy, again, as part of your malabsorption picture. And you get a child who's got diarrhea because they basically pour out things before they manage to absorb the important nutrients that they need. And definitely anemia is one of them. And probably just remember the anemia is one that you see either in the small child or you actually could see it in a bigger child who actually doesn't tell you anything else. So not very obvious abdominal symptoms, but yet a very anemic child who you're not quite sure why they're anemic, um, especially if their diet seems to be reasonably well. Um, and also a child who actually doesn't respond very well to um, iron supplements uh, to treat the iron deficiency anemia. Okay, so even though you tend to get these children when they're two, two and a half, you can get these children presenting a lot later with absolutely. kind of unspecific symptoms such as anemia, and you obviously have to then look at the underlying cause. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's worth remembering that um, the prevalence of CEDIC is around 1.4%, they say, but actually out of those 20 to 24%, so neither a quarter, oh, wow. are asymptomatic and missed a lot of the time. So um, there's probably a lot of people walking around who actually are... Um, have got a diagnosis of CEDIC disease, but don't even realize um, either because the symptoms are very vague and they kind of could mean anything, or actually quite a few of these kids are not particularly symptomatic. For example, if you are anemic, you're only going to become symptomatic if your anemia is bad enough for you to have symptoms related to it, that you're lethargic, uh, you don't have the energy levels, you're fatigued. Um, some children will be sort of um, feel a bit sort of out of breath. And and it's not until your numbers are not quite great uh, until you actually start to complain of these symptoms and realize afterwards that you are anemic. And the pallor bit is very, again, so um, the general population will say this child looks pale, but it's sometimes not very easily picked. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. So to try and, I suppose, what would we do to investigate and get the diagnosis? Yeah. Of them? So let's say in this child, so he comes, he's two and a half, um, the mother cells tells you that he eats and then after he eats, he's just always cramp. He's always complaining of crampy pains. He actually is still in nappies because she really struggled to potty train him because he just poos like four or five times a day and it's very sticky. Um, and she finds that um, actually in hindsight going back so an important bit of the story the, the history is actually asking about the diet in particular uh, and everybody is I think there's a lot of awareness now about um, allergies and intolerance and it's really important to mention that celiac is not an allergy really it's an intolerance um, and it's slightly different to what you get if a child is allergic to a certain type of food but it's really important and the family would be very specific they would say yeah actually um, when we go out and have um, I had a family where and when they had battered fish and chips, for example, the battered fish was just gave this kid a really bad tummy that day and he was really unsettled um, and having and, and the fat and the the population do know about celiac disease It's a common condition. Um, there's a lot of awareness anyway. And they will tell you, it's like, actually, yeah, if we have like a heavy sort of day of like sandwiches and pasta and all the rest of it, that's a day where he's not very good in comparison. If I cut it off a bit, I feel like he's a bit better. Um, so, yes, dietary history is, is definitely very relevant and very important. Asking what their diet is consistent of in general, asking if they do have they do eat um, different variants of their diet and are getting all the, the goods that they need. But also asking about any associated symptoms or any symptoms provoked by a certain diet. Okay. And I wanted to say thank you to both Emily and to Bethana for recording that episode for us. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, this is a first of a two-parter. So make sure you join us again next week for the remainder of this episode. 
Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites Basics.